Welcome to the fight with Teddy Atlas. I'm Ken Rideout, joined as always by the notoriously honest Teddy Atlas. Teddy, how are you? Uh, is that notorious to be honest nowadays? <laughs> Apparently. I mean, might be. Before we jump into it, I want to give a quick shout out to our newest sponsor, Athletic Greens. As I've said before, this is a product that I use myself. I reached out to them, asked them to sponsor the show because I like and um, enjoy and because the of it, you won the state. I'm going to jump in. I don't care. You you won the California state. Correct me if I'm wrong with the title, but I want to say congratulations. Uh, you won the California state marathon over the weekend. You just flew back from that, and uh, you did a great job. Congratulations. Thank you. It was the Malibu Half Marathon, which acted as the state championship for the half marathon. So I ran that in 113, but again, I'm 48 years old, so I have to give a lot of the credit to Athletic Greens. Yeah. I take it before every workout run. I mean, I take it every day, but yeah, thank you. I was, uh, was happy to win. No, it's great. I mean, and you beat, I know... There was good competition there, but I know at least one of them that was on your heels early was a kid that was probably about half your age, and uh, you put him away, baby. Yep, exactly half my age, and I was, uh, I don't want to bore anyone with too many of the running details, but long story short, I had a big lead on him halfway, and about at the eight-mile mark, I realized he was right on my shoulder, and I was... <clears throat> thinking about things that you were saying when we were in camp with Alex just and some of the things we've covered on the podcast about how you almost make a silent agreement with someone or you're ready to surrender but trying to do it like a game quitter. When the kid caught me, I was like, oh, I can't believe I'm going to get second. I thought I had this. And when I realized he didn't go by me quickly, I said, oh, I caught myself like, why am I giving up? Let me see what this kid has. I'll just, if, if I don't win, I won't win, but at least I'll try. And I just put a little move on him with two miles to go, and he didn't respond right away, and I just ran away from him. But I talked to him after the race, and I said, had you gone past me with authority, I probably would have just surrendered. No, you wouldn't have. That's, <clears throat> uh, you wouldn't have surrendered. We just touched on that. You wouldn't have. But um, because you made a decision not to. That's right. You wouldn't have. It would have just had to make you go to that next place. Yeah. You would have just had to test them again and test yourself. <laughs> I mean, that's what it's all about, testing ourselves. Yeah, and that's, and that's why I wanted to mention that quickly is that the topics and the lessons that we talk about here and with regards to boxing can be applied to every aspect of life. 99% of the people listening to this podcast are professional fighters or even amateur fighters, but they can all relate to some of the lessons learned in the ring. And that's another example of one that can be applied to something as simple as running. It would have been just as easy for me to be like, ah, oh, second. I can live with that second out of like 3,000 people. But the more I thought about it, I was like, yeah, but winning is a lot better. So Just doing your best. Just, yeah. you know, not putting barriers in front of yourself and exploring those barriers, finding out like that. You Every day is an opportunity. An opportunity. You know, it's not a failure. It's not this. It's an op Even a failure is an opportunity to find out how much further could you have gone. Yeah. It's an opportunity. An opportunity to find out, you know, what walls have we put up in front of ourselves? And let's, let's stop putting walls in front of ourselves. Let's stop putting ceilings on, in, on top of ourselves. Who, who, plants, who plants these ceilings? You know, who formulates, uh, you know, an understanding and a template for, hey, that's the ceiling? Who says? Who says? I mean, we find out that we can move those ceilings every day if we dare to find out. That's right. If we dare to find out. Every day. 
as an exploration to how far we can go, yeah. what more we can do, what more we can tolerate, what more is out there. Mm-hmm. Starting to sound like Captain Kirk in Star Trek, <laughs> you know? <laughs> no, go out there and explore. But it's true. It's very true. And I'm glad they didn't have a video camera at that point in the race because they would have saw where when the guy did come back at you, you hit him on the left hook behind the ear, uh, you know, like Canelo did. Yeah. And, and that was, you know, then psh, you, you pulled away. No, congratulations. Thank congratulations. you. Congratulations. Very you, good. Thank you. And I know a lot of guys don't want to, people listening to the show might not be saying, well, who, who cares about this nerds running? But I really wanted to stress that these things that Teddy talks about, like I said, can be applied to a lot of things. It doesn't even have to be athletics. It can be anything in work, like... Like you just touched on, we put our own limitations on ourselves, and a lot of times, if you can get get out of that way of thinking, you can accomplish yeah, a lot. Stop more than worrying you think. about the other guy. Start to explore the spaces inside yourself. That's 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 the magic. That's the power. Yeah. Control what you can control, and find out how much more you can control. Then you got the universe, baby. Yep. Then there's there's no limits, and um. Once we get into uh, to the fight, I'm gonna I'm gonna do it now. I'm gonna take this off. I, I'm wearing this today. I decided in in honor of uh, <laughs> of Canelo because to me he looked like the Hulk. You know, I'm not <laughs> now. Listen, don't uh, you guys can start to go where you want to go, right? Because <laughs> our minds go places, right? We're human beings, and I know you guys. You know, your minds go places every once in a while. And yeah, maybe if you put the lights off, maybe look like the Hulk, maybe glow a little bit. I don't know. <laughs> I, I'm not saying. I give all congratulations to him. All I know is he looked strong. He looked big. He didn't look like the smaller man. And we said it. We said it before the fight. As a matter of fact, I usually don't do this. But if you guys listened to us and you went to my bookie, you could have made some change. That's right. You, you could have made you could have made a few shillings. Yep. Like they say across the pond over there, baby. <laughs> you could have made a few shillings. Uh, because we said in a fight plan and we said in our episode, go back to the videotape. You'll see it. We said that Canelo would win. I predict him to win the fight and to stop him late in the fight. He'll have a very, very, very good chance to stop him, to knock him out late in the fight. And that the physicality, the size would be a difference on the side of Canelo. Yep. That he actually would behave like the bigger guy. And this is the second... Uh, second. I love the Hulk. I love the Hulk. I mean, <laughs> I, I used to get all his comic books. Yeah. You know? I mean... If I would have saved those, I probably wouldn't be here with you today. If I would have <laughs> saved those, I had them all. I had them all when they were like eight cents. Yeah. And I gave them away to a kid. Well, this is the second uh, week in a row that you predicted exactly how the fight would play out almost to the round. Same thing with Taylor Progray and um, now with Kovalev, Canelo, Canelo Kovalev. So congratulations. Hope everyone's listening. If you're gambling, check out my bookie. But back to our sponsor for today's show. Like I said, Athletic Greens, they're our newest sponsor. Product I use every day. We reached out to them. Um, It's the ultimate all-in-one supplement for the body with 75 minerals, vitamins, whole food sourced ingredients. It includes prebiotics, probiotics, digestive enzymes, adaptogens, superfoods, and more. Special offer for our listeners. You get 20 free Athletic Greens travel packs valued at $79 with your first purchase. Go to athleticgreens.com slash atlas, A-T-L-A-S. 
uh, and you'll get the free um, travel packs with your first order. They know you'll love this product and stand by with a 60-day money-back guarantee. And honestly, I know this might seem a little expensive, but when you put it in, when you pull it up on the website, but it's really only 250 per serving, so less than a cup of coffee, and you'll get all the nutrients you need every morning. Um, you start taking that stuff, you can win marathons when you're 82, like he. <laughs> okay, and look like him. All right. Like like Michael Buffer, <laughs> without the surgery. <laughs> Maybe not win, but a step closer to winning. Okay, and <laughs> and if not, you'll be better at your video games if that's your thing. Whatever, <laughs> whatever it is. And one more thing, also for fans of the show, if you've um, whether you've listened, whether you've read Teddy's book or or um, or not, there's the new uh, audio book is out today. So uh, I want to give a quick plug to that. Uh, Atlas, From the Streets to the Ring, A Son's Journey to Becoming a Man. The book includes extra conversations between chapters with Teddy and is really fantastic. Be sure to check out our show notes for a link to Audible, Amazon's audiobook platform. You can get a free audiobook for, um, as part of your 30-day free trial. So you can literally get the book for free by signing up for a 30-day trial. Audible.com. I use that myself. I listen to books all the time when I'm running. So please check it out. I think you guys will really enjoy it. I loved reading it. Let's talk fights. Yes, sir. All right. Canelo Kovalev, Saturday night. Oh, sorry. Not Saturday night. Sunday morning, just before <laughs> just before church. That's part of the story, unfortunately. <clears throat> oh, my God. We've got some... We've got a lot to cover here. But before we get into some of the drama surrounding the fight and how the zone handled the um, conflict with the UFC event, um, which we're also going to talk about. Congratulations to Jorge Masvidal. Um Let's talk about the fight itself. I mean, like I just said, it pretty much played out exactly as you said it would. I thought that Kovalev looked a, a little bit better than I thought he would early had um, Canelo going back. But as as it turns out, I think it was all part of the plan, knowing that Canelo, knowing that Kovalev had a quick turnaround from his last fight, probably would tire down the down the um, as the rounds got late as he did against Yare, and um, but I had Kovalev ahead convincingly at the point of the stoppage canelo was starting to come on but i mean as soon as he started to come on it didn't last much longer past that and i mean the knockout and the finish was devastating especially considering how small the knockout was better than the fight the fight you know i'm not going to say it was pedestrian but you could maybe say that but the fight the fight was it was again not anticlimactic but it it wasn't the thrill of manila Mm -hmm. you know but the but the finish was really good. Yeah. The the finish was what caught your attention. Mm-hmm. The finish was, you know, the closing act was good. The closing act was good. Very. You know, and I'm going to tell you my scorecards. They differ from yours, but I'm going to let the people out there kind of be in my mind. You don't want to be in my mind. <laughs> you really don't. But I'll let you be in my mind for a second. Uh, I was up in Bristol, up at ESPN headquarters in Connecticut, uh, getting ready to do the sports center post-fight stuff. That's what they had me doing, and I went on. If you were up at 2 in the morning, you would have saw me. <laughs> or if you were on the West Coast like Ken, uh, you would have saw me uh, <laughs> a little earlier. But this is how I had it. After after four, now let me say after five. After five rounds, I had it 49-46 for Kovalev. That's after five rounds. And then... I started having Canelo catch up. By time the tenth round, going into eleventh, after the tenth round, I had it ninety six ninety five for Kovalev. Mm. 
one point. And I will say, always being fully transparent here, I had one even round. I had an even round in the ninth. The ninth round, I had an even round. So it could have went, could have went the other way too. Either way, a point the other way. You know, could have gave that to uh, Canelo. I would have had it even. Uh, could have went to Kovalev. Would have had Kovalev a little bit more towards Ken's side. A couple points instead of one point. Uh, but that's what I added. 96-95, one point going into the 11th. And it was it played out the way that I think I handicapped it on our show, quite frankly. Uh, that would be everybody talked about the storyline being the size, the bigger guy. Yeah, it was. The, it did come out to that, but not on the side that people thought it was going to be. Again, you look at it. Here he is, baby, the Hulk. If you look at Canelo before the fight, you look at him at the way in. He looked like the more muscular guy, the bigger guy. And the breakdown for the fight, I was talking about how, you know, the bigger guy is more the finesse guy. He he doesn't use his body like a bigger guy where he's going to use it, you know, in a physical way of imposing that physicality. That's not going to come into play. If anyone's going to be the bigger guy and play that role with physicality, it's going to wind up being uh, the smaller guy. And it did. It did. Um, and again... It was it was about the aggression. I thought it was going to come down to, and I tweeted this with my man Rob, you know, who lets us do all this stuff. He sets us up. He does this, you know, production here. Does a great job. Uh, I tweeted during the night about it was going to come down before, during, and after. I kept saying, especially before, that's when it counts the most, that it was going to come down to the jab of Kovalev versus the physicality, the pressure, and the power of Canelo. Again, the power, i say it again, because most people aren't going to connect that or didn't connect that before the fight when they think about the smaller guy. you know. But he was definitely the guy with the power, the guy who was aggressive, the guy who was confident that he was the bigger guy. He behaved like the bigger guy. He didn't just look like it. He was shorter. So in that way, if you guys are going to jump on me, go ahead. I get you. I'm with you. Uh, he was the shorter guy, so he didn't look like the bigger guy that way. But everywhere else, everywhere else he did. And he he acted like the bigger guy. Like he was going to, his physicality was going to make a difference. And it did. For me, the pressure all night long paid a price. It, it paid a dividend. You know, it's kind of like putting your money away in these CDs. You know, you, you're a financial guy. You know about that. You put your money in these CDs, and you don't get paid off right away. But down the road, you get paid off. Well, that's kind of what the fight was to me. Canelo didn't get paid off with the pressure right away. But down the road, in 11th round, bang, he, he, he cashed in. Mm -hmm. You know, kind of like going to the body. You, you get a payoff later. Pressure pays you off later. It takes time to bust pipes for the pressure to get through. It takes time to bust a person, to break through. And you could see that pressure, at least I was seeing it, and, and definitely Kovalev was feeling it, where that pressure was starting to get through, that, that it became easier to get close. Why do you think he's getting closer easier than he was early? Because of the pressure. Mm -hmm. The pressure's paying a dividend. The CDs are starting you know, to get ripe. <laughs> you know, where you can cash in on them. 
And that was the battle plan. Give credit. I'll give all the credit in the world to Canelo. Uh, ESPN.com called me this morning and said, do you want to adjust your pound-for-pound pound list? Yeah, move move Kovalev up a little bit. Yeah, move move him up. Canelo. Uh, I'm sorry, Canelo. Yeah, definitely, Canelo. Move, move him up a little bit. I so, agree with that. Yeah, so, again, the the pressure, the fight plan, part of it was the pressure, allowed, if you were watching, you you could see a story and it was unfolding that yeah the jab was still there from Kovalev but Canelo was getting closer to where he needed to be to land those power shots that some of me was missing earlier and he finally got there and when he got there bang bang like I used to say when I was calling a fight uh -huh. at ESPN I'd bring the bang bang you know that's that's what it was and a punch behind the ear uh, it was a punch before that right hand before that, then a left hook behind the air throws equilibrium off and then it was a free punch, mm -hmm. you know, because he was he was he was in a bad place. And he wasn't able to really at that point defend himself and he got caught the final punch. Uh the coup de grace, the right hand. But uh again it was just it was a matter of it was a matter of what we had talked about where the guy it was the storyline of the fight the sides would make it different but the opposite size you know talk it was the smaller guy that was going to be mm -hmm. you know going to going to make the difference and um there was going to be the stronger guy and at the at the end of the day uh, that's exactly exactly what happened i mean it, it reminded me a little bit of a story that i might start telling my two-year-old grandson joseph pretty soon about the bad wolf <laughs> you know where he, you know, he huffed and puffed, and he blew down, he blew down the the straw house and and the cardboard house, whatever it was, uh, and then when he got to the brick house, after huffing and puffing on those houses early, he was all pooped out. Mm -hmm. He had nothing to huff and puff. He had nothing to blow the brick house down, and that's kind of what it was. Was you know the wolf. In this case, Kovalev, the the bigger guy, the big bad wolf, if you want to say that, he was, you know, huffing and puffing with his jab early. And then later on, when the brick house came around, there was nothing to there was nothing left. Yeah. And and he you know and he was uh he was vulnerable. Mm -hmm. And obviously uh Canelo the little piggy that he is, he came in. Oh, he's. I'm just kidding. I'm just trying to stay with the, with the storyline of the, <laughs> of the big bad wolf, and the piggies. But he, uh, he was able to, you know, he was able to get to where he wanted to get, right to the chin and and the body work early on. He he was doing some good body work too, uh, Canelo. You know, he was he was touching that body, putting oh, some water sure. in the basement. And that was that was all part of it, but. Unfortunately, you know, at the end of the day, we're not just talking about that. We're talking about, you know, what happened with the start time. I mean, oh. you know, I, everybody in this business is always talking about, you know, whether or not a lot of times there's talk about PDs. And I think, I don't know if anybody was using them or not, but I know that. A lot of times there's not proper testing. 
or no testing. Mm-hmm. So you don't know. So I made a joke in one of my tweets that, hey, I could use some PEDs to stay the hell up right now. <laughs> you know, I mean, we're not, we're not supposed to be watching a fight at, you know, 120 getting started. You know, I know you gained an hour that night. Everybody was thankful. And don't thank the promoters. They didn't plan that. They didn't plan that hour back that you were getting an hour back on your clock that night. But still, at, at one twenty to be getting the ring, they started the ring walk at one ten because I looked at the clock. So I think the point I'm going to make on that is this, and I think it's the right point. And probably, I don't think, I don't know if someone else is going to talk about but it wasn't just that they disrespected the fighters, and they did the zone they did they had no regard i mean if you saw those pictures of fighters on the couch taking naps that's all you needed to see that's not normal that's that's not normal okay that that's you know they 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 weren't you know they weren't away you know on vacation they they were getting ready to go into a dangerous place Mm -hmm. you know uh really and they're getting ready to go into a dangerous place and here they are because they're gloved up way too early or what they thought was going to be the right time and they wind up, the executives at the zone decide to wait until the UFC fight is over because they're afraid it's going to take away some of their audience. So they have to now go lay on a, take a nap on a couch. I mean, it's it's absurd. Seeing those, but there they are. You shouldn't be seeing pictures With like gloves that. on. Yeah, Canelo's you got his gloves taped. I mean, you shouldn't be seeing that. They Look both at you know, and you you just shouldn't be seeing that. It's not right. Having been there in the uh, in the in the uh, locker room with Alex, I can tell you that this is completely foreign. I mean, this would be like a NFL guy taking a nap at halftime. It do, it doesn't make any sense. I mean, it, listen, and it's all because it's not like it's we don't understand why it happened because, and the more I'm going to talk about it, the more angry you can get. And the more unacceptable it is. Because first of all, the zone people, they they knew that the UFC fight was going to be on this date. They chose this date. Yeah, I've got some they, interesting quotes from they, Dana White they about They chose that. this. And, and Oscar De La Hoya, the promoter of Canelo, chose this. And they put their chest out a little bit and said... We're bigger than them. We don't care. Our star is brighter. So we'll go on against them. We don't care. Okay. Well, live with it. Live with it, big mouths. Yeah. Live with it. Yeah. No, because, and you didn't live with it. You backed up. You backed up and you blinked and you blinked to, you blinked to the, to where it hurt the fighters. Mm-hmm. And it hurt other places too. And that's what the point I'm going to make. You, you knew that it was going to be the same date as UFC 244 was the name of their promotion with Masvidal and, um, and, and Masvidal. Masvidal and, and uh, Diaz. Diaz, Nate Diaz, which Masvidal did a great job. Mm-hmm. I mean, he was terrific. We had him on two nights before his fight. I think it was two nights, mm-hmm. two, a couple of nights before his fight, and he was terrific. And, um, but, and we'll talk about that at a later time, but... You go and you say, oh, we're bigger, so we're going to go. We don't care. We're going to go the same night. And then you start to worry about it that night. 
and you literally could, that night, like that as night, things going yeah, on, I'm going to read like you a, a quote like from an Dana. hour before, whatever, two hours before. Now you're worried about it. Now you're going to make the fighters suffer, as we just showed sitting in the locker room, you know, having they're not in Cancun. You know what I mean? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Me, believe me. I if you're in Cancun, you could do that. All right? But not if you got to go face some a man in the ring. So now you got to do that. Now the fans have to be disrespected and suffer. 90 minutes there was a delay as you're sitting. I'm, I mean, I'm you've bl- been to events. When they do that, I'm like, come on, man. Now, now the fans have to suffer. Now the fighters are suffering. But that's not, that's not all the... There was more there was more collateral damage than that. This is what they're not yeah, the fans, yeah, the fighters, the most important thing. But the sport. Oh, for sure. No, they they surrendered the, the they, entire they, sport. Well, this is a sport. Boxing is a sport. They did more damage to that sport of boxing than anyone has ever done. Really. Because or potentially. They went and a sport that's been around 200 years, that used to be the biggest sport in the country, bigger than baseball. They, what they did was, it was tantamount to, I want to give an example. It was tantamount to, say, the Baltimore Orioles uh, getting ready to go on a game. And they're going on at 1 o'clock on NBC. And then an hour before the game, all of a sudden NBC says, nope. We're not putting them on. We're going to put them on at 4 o'clock instead because the Yankees are on CBS at 1 o'clock. What? <laughs> Wait, what? So you're saying, you're admitting to everyone that the Orioles don't matter as much as the Yankees. That the Orioles, you shouldn't watch the Orioles anymore if the Yankees are around. But I like the Orioles. No, 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 no. The Orioles are not, Orioles are not relevant. They're not relevant. I don't care what you thought they were. They're not. We're conceding that they're not important. We are saying that they're not as important as the Yankees. So what they did, what these morons at the zone did, was that's the statement they made. They said our sport is no longer as relevant or as powerful or as important as UFC. A sport that's been around 15 years. Or whatever it is. I don't know what the length of it being around. And they've done a great job. And everyone's been saying to me, they ask me all the time. Fans will come up to me and say, Teddy, is the UFC bigger than boxing? No. No, boxing's been around 200 years. They've done a great job. Dana White, the dictator. It's a little easier when you've got control of everything. You can force guys to fight competitive fights. That doesn't happen in boxing. You don't have that central czar. You don't really have anybody who's at the control room in boxing that makes sure that things are, you know, kept copacetic uh, for the fans and for the sport and for the integrity of the sport. There's nobody watching out for those things. There's no national commission the way there is in MLB or NBA or NFL. I've said that a million times, and it's true. But Dana White has done a great job of marketing and developing his sport by putting competitive fights on, by getting you to know about the personalities, by being able to control all those aspects of it instead of different promoters just fighting for their own little piece of land, not giving a crap about the sport, which is what happens in boxing. I said it. All right. So now, again, Fans would always come up to me, and they come up to me all the time. They say, Teddy, and I say, yeah, 
UFC's done a great job of marketing. Dana White's done a great, and they've grown their product. But it's still not as big as boxing. Because when you put on the right fight, when you put on a big fight, boxing, everyone comes. It, it's, it controls the universe when it's, a right, when it's the right fight. Everybody come out. And Canelo's the biggest name in the sport right now. So if there's anyone who shouldn't be acquiescing to the UFC, it would be Canelo and and Golden uh, Boy. And again, when you see those big fights, even though the Pacquiao Mayweather was a dud at the end of it, but people came out for it because they believed in it. Mm -hmm. And, And the money there was much, much much bigger than any money at UFC for for their fight. And UFC's great, and their company's great. Look at the money they sold it for. Four I billion. Mean, yeah, it's huge. I get it. But again, when you get the big fights for boxing, boxing was, was still the sun. Mm-hmm. It was still the brightest in our universe. And then what did they do the other night? They What did they do the other night? They say, no, it's not. No, it's not. And the boxing people say it. They say no. You know what? We're not as big as UFC. You know what? We're gonna take a we're gonna take a pack seat. Go ahead, guys. Well, this, guys, is, this is the take... no shill zone. Those are the guys. The guys who are shilling us oh, saying please. that. But the guys who are being honest recognize like this was a, a, a knockout stoppage. UFC stops. They they the took zone a back, Golden Boy. They took a back seat. They they <clears throat> they got. They, it was kind of it was like submission. You know, I mean, they got they got boxing, the the brainiacs at at the zone to to basically submit and say no, we're we're not going to go after picking that date, knowing that they had them on that date, they were going up against them and say no, it doesn't matter, we're bigger. They go and they say, no, we got to let you guys start. We got to let our fighters sit in the freaking dressing room with gloves on, sitting sitting in the freaking laying on the couch. We got to let our fans freaking stay up all night. And we got to tell the public, we're letting everybody know now, the great fans of the UFC, and they are great fans, but we have great fans in boxing too. You're, you're telling those fans, your sport is no longer the king. Your sport tonight has taken a back step. So it wasn't just it wasn't just a matter of Canelo winning that night. It was about how much boxing lost that night. Boxing lost a lot that night. They lost everything I'm talking about. Really, I know that you could put on great fights and, and you could say you forget about it and it could be yesterday's news and that's the world we live in. You know, people get in trouble, people do all kinds of crazy things, you know, and then all of a sudden a, a week goes by, people forget about it, you do something good and you're back in their good graces. I, I get how human nature works. I get it. And I get the way that we're fickled and that we, we flip-flop our emotions that way. I get it. But that night I get that too. I get that too, and I'm saying it here, that you took a great, beautiful sport, a sport, a noble sport with noble warriors, just like the UFC has, but you took a sport with all that history, all that history, the Allies, the Joe Lewis's, the Henry Armstrong's, the Sam Langford's, the Sugar Ray Robinson's, the Billy Kahn's. I mean, you took all all the Harry Grabs, oh my God, guys with 300 fights. You took the thrill in Manila, everything. You took all that history and you said, nah, tonight's the night where UFC goes past boxing. 
That's what it felt like. gets their head raised. It wasn't about Canelo getting his hand raised. It's about the UFC getting their hand raised. That was it's, cool. it's interesting, too, that while this is all playing out, the president of the United States is sitting with Dana White at a UFC event where he's he's he was, you know, famously a big boxing fan and, you know, was at where all the big he? fights back in the day. Yeah. Um, but one of the other interesting subplots to this is, um, as you probably know, and those who know, Dana White just despises Oscar De La Hoya. Oscar tried to get into MMA for a minute and uh, put on some bad fights. And uh, but, but Oscar steps in his own poop. Oh, Oscar's got. He I seems mean, to be the yeah, only yeah, I person. Said it. The poor but, guy. He's I, I he's mean, clearly got some problems. I mean, the guy. I mean, really. You know. I mean, it, but everyone can see he's suffering with some kind of addiction or some kind of like mental issue. He he's he acts crazy. He doesn't show up to events. He's at odds with his like golden goose, like highest paid fighter, like. He has everything going for him, but he can't seem to get out of his own way. And one of the th- interesting subplots to this whole thing is when they announced this, Dana White, the the conflicting dates, that they were both going to go on the same night. And Dana said, you shouldn't do it, according to him. And um, so the night of the fight, or the day of the fight, the, the zone decides they're going to um, put the Canelo fight on after Masvidal Diaz. So during the event, we had there were some quick knockouts. Uh, Ryan um, Ryan Garcia with an awesome knockout win. Um, first round, a lot of early fights. So they had a 90-minute gap between the last undercard and the main event. And while this is playing out, the fans are so restless. I mean, you could see on Twitter people were losing their minds that were waiting for the fight or at the fight especially. On the fly, Golden Boy in the zone reached out to Dana White directly, called him at his event, and explained what was going on and asked if they could have the right to put on the main event at the UFC in the arena at MGM Grand. Can you imagine, hey, these guys are beating us. Do you remember, I'm going to jump in because I have to. Uh, Do you remember when you were a kid and there was a saying that if if somebody got got you, they got your arm behind your back and they twisted it hard enough and and you gave in, uncle! Yep. (laughs) Uncle! Uncle, <laughs> that's that's what the zone people said. They were saying whether they knew it or not, they know it now. They mm-hmm. were saying uncle. And Dana White claims he tells them in advance, like, don't do it. So now they have to call him hat in hand and ask him if he can run a free advertisement to the boxing audience. And that Masvidal Diaz, we're going to get into it, but that was a great fight. That was entertaining. Now you've got to show them the other product that they're waiting for. And the fighters, I mean, like I said, having been there with Alex, I can't imagine if they said, oh, hey, guys, we need another 30 minutes when you're ready to go. Gloves laced up and taped up, take a nap. I, I just can't even imagine. But it was more than 30 minutes. I mean, they... Oh, I know. I mean, 30 minutes would have been 30 minutes, but this was way beyond that. And And again, it was... It was the stupidity leading up to it. I mean, they disrespected the fans. I said it already. They disrespected the sport. They disrespected the fighters. But the stupidity, like, like you talk about having no idea what the frick you're doing. I mean, they, they're the ones who picked the date. You know, Costamato, who's obviously I thought was the greatest boxing mind of all time, and he was my mentor. And he would teach me about, obviously, every day, I was a kid with him, and I was 18, 19 years old. And I remember, I was thinking about him the other night, actually, as I was up in Bristol in the uh, 
the room with all these TV sets, like a war room with TV sets all around you, getting ready, watching everything, and getting ready when it was over that I was going to go on Sports Center and do the post fight. And I was thinking about Cuss, what he used to say to me. You know, he used to teach me about boxing every day, but he used to talk about life. And here's a 19 year old kid at the time, me. <coughs> and uh, you got this great man. And he's telling me one day, he's telling me about, he said, you know, Teddy, we're talking about things in boxing. And then all of a sudden he said, you know, you see the incompetence in boxing. Sometimes with the trainers, the managers, you know, the promoters and dishonesty, whatever. And, uh, but just sometimes the incompetence. And he said, but don't ever think it's, kill, it's isolated to a realm only in your sport. He said, as you get older, you're going to remember this old man told you this. And I was remembering it that night. He said, as you get older, you're going to be amazed at the level of incompetence you're going to see in all places as you grow. In places of business, corporations, everywhere. Politics, medical, you know, just just in all, all kind, kinds of places. Companies being run. You're going to be amazed that, oh my God, this old man was right. But, and, and he broke it down for me real well, like he always did. He said, yeah, you're going to say, but they're, they're making money. And, you're gonna, and then you're going to look and you're going to say, you're going to realize that if they have a product and they have a system in place, that sometimes they can still make money even though it's being misrun. Even though there's people there that are making terrible decisions. But the system in place and the product that people demand to have will still allow those people to not have a light shined on them to the point that they should mm -hmm. for their incompetence. That the company isn't making as much money as it should, but it's still making money because of what I just said. Mm -hmm. But you still have incompetence there, running amok. And, I, and he's so right. I, I was sitting getting to ready for the fight to start. And I said, Cuss, you're right. All these years later, Cuss, you're right. These morons at the zone and these TV executives all over the place that you see, that some of the decisions they make, and, 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 it's not, and again, it's not held only to them. It's in all kinds of facets of business and, and places out there in the world. But my daughter one time, because I told her this story, my son, I remember one time my daughter, she's an attorney, I'm so proud of her, and just gave us another grandchild. Beautiful little girl. Can't wait to get out of here. I love being with you, but I want to go see the little girl. You know, make all this stuff go away. You know? And she said to me one day, she said, Dad, she came home, she was dealing with a difficult case. She said, oh, incompetence. She said, you know, and we're not pretending to be the only people that are competent out there, mm -hmm. but you have control over that, to be honest with yourself, to be prepared, to, to look at both sides, you know, to see things. And some of these people, because of the egos, because of whatever, they, they only see what they want to see. They're not forced to see anything more and the position that they have now. But again, I remember she said to me, she said, that the incompetence out there, sometimes it's, it's, it's scary. Mm. It's scary. You know, and, and again, we're not pretending to be the only smart people out there. No, no, please. We're learning every day. We're trying to learn every day. We're trying to be better every day because we're aware that we can't be better every day.
Yeah. You know, that we should be better every day, that we should have that awareness. We should be humble enough to understand that. Yeah. But, man, it's scary out there, Ken, sometimes. I mean, you see it. I mean, you've said it to me, too, and I brought it up to you one time. Mm-hmm. I mean, that, yeah, it's it's out there. It's... Uh, I'm sure in the financial world, some of these people that oh. are that that are in charge of you know, hey, give me a billion dollars, all right, and I handle it for you, <laughs> you know, yeah, you know. I, hey, I'll you want a good example? And, and let me tell you what their what unfortunately what their mantra should be, what their motto should be. And, and if you're honest, give me a billion dollars, I'll turn it into a million. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, well, I, a, I, no, I'm t- a perfect example of that for real world for anyone in finance is do a little reading on the WeWork deal. WeWork is a company that basically rents bulk office space and then rents it to someone like you and I that want to have a single office or a shared office space. Anyway, I don't want to get too deep into it, but they were raising money constantly. Now, there are other companies out there that do that. At Just to keep the numbers simple, I'll say like a multiple of, uh, of their earnings for a valuation of, let's say, four to one. I- I'm making it up. But this guy was out raising money at a valuation of like 10 to one to earnings. It, they've, they, I don't even know if they make money. And long story short, they got SoftBank, a huge Japanese bank, to make a, like three or four different rounds of investing in the, in the company. At one point, the highest was maybe like $47 billion valuation. When you only have one investor, you're just finger in the air. How much is this worth? They went to do an IPO, and the market, like the broad market that would invest in the deal, like laughed them right out of the room. So they cut the valuation and thought about testing the waters again for an IPO laughed out of the room bottom line is once they opened it up for an ipo everyone started looking at the guy running this we were adam newman and looking at some of his quotes on how he was raising consciousness and creating a a, a utopia workspace and 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 the analysts were like on the phone call on a wall street analyst group like uh in a conference call well like this is all bullshit like just get to the facts like skip all the like hyperbole of consciousness like how are you justifying this when there's companies out there that are 20 years older than you that do the same exact thing without the marketing and branding and basically what happened is they realized incompetence on softbank's part they're just investing so you know what the guy did they he thinks he's going to get like going to the promised land going to get a huge ipo deal they laugh him out they demand that he gets fired which they finally have to softbank has to like round up the board members required to do so they fire the guy but guess what in his contract with softbank they he they can't fire him without giving him one billion dollars in cash maybe as high as 1.7 so the guy yeah he loses the company but he's already taken hundreds of millions out of it at one point he 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 trademarked the name WeWork and sold it back to the company for six million dollars i trademarked my own my wife's company name for like a hundred dollars so this guy sells it back to hey oh no one has thought of wework.com for instance i'm making this up but I'm going to register the name and then I'll sell it back to my own company for $6 million. Sounds, it sounds like a, a combination of incompetence and swindling. Yeah, well, swindling on the side of uh, Newman, allegedly, and definitely incompetence on the side of SoftBank. And it got to the point where Saudi Arabia Sovereign Wealth Fund, who gives money to SoftBank for them to manage, said, if you don't get out of this WeWork deal, we're out. And they were managing billions for them and generating huge fees. One guy made that decision. Total incompetence just got hoodwinked by a swindler. When there's a hundred people on the sidelines saying, not a chance. Well, thank you for making my case. Exactly. You know, it I happens mean, at the highest levels. I mean, you know, and I'll say, I'll finish this subject by saying, you guys out there, get your resumes out to the zone. 
No, bring bring your resumes there, really. I want you to go and flood them with resumes. Yeah, I want you to do that. Yeah. I want you to go out there and just send your resumes into the zone. Say you're, you're looking for a job. Saying that you work hard, you, you came from where you came from, and you believe after looking at things that you've been seeing the last uh, 48 hours or so that you think that you deserve a shot at it. And uh, get your resumes out there. Get them out there, baby. Get them out. Kevin, really? I- Kevin Ioli has a great article out today. Uh, shout out to Kevin. That was a um, great article uh, do- documenting and critiquing every step of the way and basically said the promotion from start to finish was, aside from Canelo and Kovalev's performances, which were entertaining, uh, was a debacle. He's like, one of the solid writers out there. They had the smallest turnout ever for a Canelo weigh-in. The guy's moving up two weight classes and fighting at light heavyweight. Two years ago, you would have thought that that would never happen. And he had the smallest turnout ever for a weigh-in. You know, I've been to the weigh-ins in Vegas. There, It's a madhouse when you have a huge fighter, like especially the biggest guy in the sport. Well, Canelo with that following he's got, I mean, yeah. uh, it's unbelievable. He's got that great, great Latino fan base that they're so loyal the great fight fans, and you know that's why everyone covets to be around. Uh, once Canelo, you know he's the golden goose, you know that lays the golden eggs because it's all about the app. It's all about you know streaming. It's all about pay per view, and uh, no better way to do that when you, than to have a big, great, great Latino audience that will come out. Yeah. But you know, fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice. You know, shame on me. And people, you know, even though Barnum and Bailey said there's a sucker born every day, maybe it's every other day because uh, people are getting a little smarter, I think. Maybe, maybe, Can a little I, the, smarter. The one thing that I would love to ask them is, you really think that waiting for that is going to increase subscriptions? I love both sports. I had both of them. I, I pay for both of them. I was simply going to just see which one comes on for us. Cool, I'll watch the other one as soon as this one ends. There is no, I, I would be shocked if they had more than 100 new subscribers of people that were like, oh, great, now I can go tune in and see Canelo fight Kovalev. If you, the people that were going to watch both most likely already subscribed. My point is they're not getting new subscribers because they made these guys wait 90 minutes. And if they did, it was going to be it was going to be an irrelevant number. So that whole argument doesn't hold water. And if anybody says that they got more, I want to see the numbers. I, oh, yeah. I'm, I'm just saying, <laughs> if, if any, I'm not saying anyone's, but if anyone out there is saying, oh, yeah, you know, the, it worked for them, they, they actually got, show me it, show me it. And it still doesn't make up for the damage you did. 100%. Because it doesn't make up for the damage you did. Because you have to equate in the losses, the, the damage it takes. You know, it's, it's like you go, maybe you go and, uh, you know, it's like, like the wise guys would say in the movies. They would say, you know, the risk has to be worth the reward. Mm-hmm. You know, you go, you go and you risk, uh, you you risk going to, to jail for fifty years. You know, well, you know, if you go and you pull off the robbery, but you get stuck and you get caught, I, I don't think it was worth it. You got fifty years. What are you going to do with that money? Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, what are you going to do now with the damage that you did to your product? Really, you did damage to to the to the whole sport. And to your product. Get those resumes out there, guys. Really, send them in. Send them in. You, you send one in, too, if you want. If you, <laughs> I'm if sending you, mine to Dana White. Dana, if you need someone to call the new fights on the new uh, Zufa boxing platform, I know two guys that would talk to you about it. Or at least one guy. Me.
Um, it'll be interesting to see how it goes because I think he just gained a, a huge upper hand in um, within the boxing community. Just like the guy puts on good events so much so that you've got the biggest name in boxing submitting to him and being like, yeah, okay, we'll wait until you're done. So, um, yeah, he eviscerated uh, Oscar De La Hoya. He, he gave some uh, quotes after the press conference. I think it was at the press conference. Called him a snake, a scumbag. Eric says he hates him. And those um, were the nice things he said about him. <laughs> those are the things he said in front of the reporters. I can imagine what he said behind the scenes. And again, just to walk in with the president, make the guys at the zone submit, show your main event to their audience at MGM Grand. It was like the, the night couldn't have gone better for um, Dana White in the UFC. And uh, that leads us into the um, Masvidal-Diaz fight. You know who's competent? I'm just jumping around real sure. uh, Talking about incompetence. You know who's competent? LeBron James and his people. All right? I just had to say that. I just had to say that. I'm sorry. Uh, you, you had He's got a bunch of loyal guys to grow up with him. And you know what? They've done a hell of a freaking job. Because they learned what they had to learn. Interestingly enough. They learned what they had to learn. And they weren't too arrogant about it. And from what I could feel and see, you know, I'm no master at it, no expert at it, but they're still not too arrogant about it. And, you know, but, but there's a lot of arrogance out there. A lot of these people that are big shots in the, in the television business, uh, you know, they got grandfathered in, mm-hmm. you know. And, and really, if you look at what we're talking about, the real production, they shouldn't be in there. They shouldn't be in there. It's Get your resumes out. It's interesting that you mentioned LeBron James because his company produced the um, the buildup, like the All Access or twenty four seven, whatever their equivalent is at the Zone, like forty days, where they spend time with the fighters. And, and I, I like those, I like those pre fight shows, like twenty four seven All Access. How was it? Was it good? Yeah, it's good. Yeah. I, it, it's good. It, it, I mean, look, if you're looking at it as a producer, you can always like pick anything apart. But it, but I like to just watch it and, 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 and not think about the production value and just see the content. And I always like the back behind the scenes stuff. And uh, But it's interesting that you brought that up. I don't know if you even know that they produced that, that he's got a production I company. I didn't. And uh, they work with Mark Wahlberg a lot, actually, on um, those those all-access pieces. So it was, it was good. It was entertaining. But um, speaking of productions, man, the UFC, like we just said, they hit it out of the park. I mean, they destroyed. I, I would imagine. I I would love to know what the real pay per view numbers are because they've got to be astronomical. Because the fight was hyped perfectly, the build up was great, all the coverage was great. Masvidal is totally so generous with his time. He came here with us a few nights before the fight, late at night after he was done with all his medicals because he wanted to talk boxing with you. And um, great feedback from the fans. Thanks to everyone who um, tuned in, left com- left comments and reviews. It's all awesome, but uh, what'd you think of the fight? I thought what I thought uh, going in that Mazadov was Jorge was more dimensional. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna use a cuss quote again. Cuss used to always tell me when he was wanted me to, you know, be a good trainer. He would always say, "Teddy." When you get two tough guys, and you got to remember that it's a prerequisite in in my business to be tough. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a prerequisite in the UFC business to be tough. Mm-hmm. Everyone's supposed to be tough. I know there's degrees of it. I get it, but you're supposed to be tough. And Cus would say, and this is perfect for me. This is that fight. Um, I couldn't think of a better analogy or 
better way of breaking down what that fight was to me was Nate Diaz and Mazavdol, where you had two tough guys, okay? It's supposed to be tough. Two tough guys, and when one is smarter, bang! That guy goes up here because he becomes tougher. When one is smarter than the other guy who's just tough, he jumps up in value. He jumps up in competence. We're using that word. He becomes better. He's tougher because he's not depending only on the toughness because he has other things, other skills, the intellect. And I remember here doing the, the interview. If you haven't seen it, go and watch it. Where We did it a couple of nights before the fight where I said to for me that your greatest asset was this, your intellect. Matter of fact, I called him Bruce Lee. Mm. And I'm going to say it again. Why they call him Bruce Lee? Because he's not conventional. Because he grabs at everything. Bruce Lee grabbed at everything. He, he, yeah, he, he understood the martial arts. But then he walked to his own drummer. Mm-hmm. He didn't walk down a straight line. You know, down the middle of the road. He, he picked different things and he freelanced. That's what Jorge does. What Masavo does. He, he, he freelances. He, he takes a mix of a lot of things that he's worked very hard on and to put together, you know, but the striking, uh, you know, the wrestling, the different things. But he, he, he's unconventional. You know, he, he goes to his own drummer, like I said, he, he, his own music. He creates the music as he does it. He's the great jazz musicians that, you know, Louis Armstrong, that creates his own beat, creates his own key, his, his own note. You know, he, he's Jimi Hendrix, who plays the guitar upside down, you know, <laughs> and he makes beautiful music, different music, music that wasn't on the sheet. And for me, that's what I was seeing when I was with him. I was seeing that. I was seeing that instinctual, innate guy that was more than just a tough guy. I'm taking nothing away from Nate Diaz. I take my hand. What a tough son of a gun you are. Oh, my God. And I got nothing but respect for both of you and for all the UFC fighters, all the MMA fighters, all of you, all of you. And I'm not a guy that's immersed in the sport the way I am in the sport I've been around my whole life, boxing. But I understand, obviously, fighting. And I respect you guys. And you all behave like fighters. And that's where it starts. But again, you, you, that's what I saw going into that fight. That's why I said to Masador that your, your intellect is the greatest thing you got going for you. That you can, the great ones, Cuss would always say, create it as they go along. They can figure it out. They can make something up, you know, as they do it. And I saw that in the ring. As he was doing it, he was making stuff up. He was figuring it out. You know, he wasn't locked into one thing. He, he, he had all kinds of different escape routes, all kinds of different places he could go off to, you know, uh, when he needed to, when, when his intelligence, his instinct, you know, told him to use those things. One example of that is in a clinch, he was outboxing him for sure. And in the clinch, the way he ended the fight, essentially by causing the cuts, was a quick short elbow that just busted Nate's eye up so bad that eventually, as we know, the ref had to stop the fight. But it's just interesting. I just wanted to add that in while you're describing that. That's exactly what he did. He's boxing there, dirty boxing, and then you see how damaging uh, an elbow in the clinch can be. It ended the fight in the, in the, long, in the long run. When I was with him, that's, that's all I was thinking was what Cus would tell me. And when I was watching it, I was, it was in front of me. I know what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. You know what you're saying. Mm-hmm. You know, I said, yeah, two tough guys, and right now, Mazadol is tougher because he's smarter. And one of the things that Cus used the example of 
for me was a fight of you guys remember the great Indian Red Lopez, Danny, Danny Little Red Lopez. Danny Little Red Lopez, featherweight champ of the world. He was knocking everyone out. What a tough guy. What a great story. Came from a real poor background, featherweight champ of the world. He was knocking everyone out with the right hand. He could punch with the right hand. He was a skinny guy, wiry. Those wiry guys get leverage in their punches. They get torque in their punches. And uh, he was a tough guy. Oh, oh. And he was great. And he was on the network back in the 70s, the 80s, when network television actually gave you fights, free fights, and you could watch them on Saturday, Sunday afternoon and learn about these guys. You know, it was a great time for boxing. And he, somebody named Salvador Sanchez came along. Nobody really knew much about the guy. Cus did, and nobody knew much about him. And Cus said to me before the fight, now we're going to see what happens when two tough guys and one is smarter, what happens? He said, don't wait, I'll tell you. It's going to be Sanchez. And that was the, really, that was the, that was really the curtain call. That was the coming out party for Sanchez, the great Salvador Sanchez who died way too young, you know, in a car crash. But he was great. And he stopped Danny Little Red Lopez. And I loved Danny Little, I loved him. But he stopped him because they were both tough, but Salvador Sanchez was much smarter. Mm-hmm. He had other things that he could depend on. It wasn't just the, the toughness was there if he needed it, just like for Matador. It was there if he needed it. It was always there. Mm-hmm. It's always behind you. You there? Yeah, I'm here. <laughs> yeah, I'm here. Don't worry. I'm here. But keep doing what you're doing. You don't need me right now. <laughs> and and that's that's exactly what happened. And Salvador Sanchez, you know, started a great career that night. He won the featherweight title. He he dominated the great Danny Little Red. And um, he went on to greatness. He beat the great Azuma Nelson when people didn't realize how great Azuma Nelson was yet mm-hmm. in a 15-round fight. You know, one of the greatest assets of Salvador Sanchez, for you fans out there that remember him, and was that his calmness. He, I remember a picture of him in the 15th round. Ken, the 15th round, you don't look like this after 15, mm. 15 miles. I know you don't. I know, I know, I know you keep yourself, but you're... <laughs> but, but no, no, but you're good. I mean, you just won the California title, and again, great job uh, running for, for the half a marathon, and you run marathons. But here's a guy who... It's like running a marathon with someone throwing punches at you. <laughs> and here he is. I'll never forget it. Salvador Sanchez, the great Salvador Sanchez, one of the greatest fighters of all time, one of the great Mexicans of all time, too. He's sitting in a stool the 15th round, not the third, not the fourth, not the second. 15th round, by the way, they don't go 15 no more. And he's sitting like this. Maybe maybe my man, maybe Rob is the best. And I have a lot of faith in Rob. And maybe he'll come up with a picture. But here he is against Azuma Nelson, 15th round. This is him. Ready? <laughs> with his arms crossed? No. Oh. <laughs> but his mouth closed. Oh, gotcha. <laughs> that's that. That's about how much fatigue and, um, you know, you know how they use the saying, uh, I don't sweat you? Yeah. He should have said, that should have been here. That should have been right there. Yeah. I, I don't sweat nothing. <laughs> right there. I don't sweat. All these people, I don't sweat you. And then meanwhile, they're, they're running to the toilet the first time uh, real something comes about. You know what I mean? You can't find them. Hey, you ready? Let's go face this. Hey, Hello? Where, where'd he go? <laughs> Hello? 
Well, 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 he disappeared on me. I thought we were going to go face this. Where'd you go? What happened? Well, I'll tell you one thing. Credit on on that, to your point, credit to Nate Diaz. I mean, he was a mess. Oh, His face yeah. was a mess. And he was... Look, 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 look. This is, my man doesn't disappoint <laughs> me. He never disappoints me, Rob. <laughs> no, he don't. I'm, I'm As a person or as a producer. I don't know if we have... But this is late in the fight. Is this the 15th round? Yeah. 15th round. Look at that man. With the greatest Zuma Nelson. Look at him. With the greatest... I'm so glad you got this. 15th. I got to move this. Can you go back and show that people so they know that it really was the 15th round? So I can move these gloves just for a minute. So you could see it again. And actually, while he's doing that, quick note... We got the two gloves signed by uh, Jorge Masvidal before his fight, as you can see them right there. We uh, we ran a give up. We ran, and that's a- the right. That is the right. That is the right nickname or whatever you want to say it. That he writes game bread, baby. Yep. Really, I mean, a lot of times, you know, Cus used to always say to me, Teddy, if you're going to give a nickname to a fight, make sure it fits. Mm-hmm. Make sure they earn it. Yeah. Make sure they deserve it. He deserves that. Oh, for sure. So he signed two gloves for us. Huge shout out to Everlast. These guys are the best. They sent us gloves for everyone to sign. So any if you've gotten any gloves from us recently, any of the winners will know. And these aren't like novelty gloves. Those are like $200 professional fight gloves. Yeah, 10 real ounce, deal. real, legit. These are exactly what they'd wear in a fight if you're, a, if you're an Everlast fighter. So thanks to Everlast. The two winners of the contest are Danny Ramirez and Erica Santiago. And... Um, Thanks, guys. Thanks to everyone who participated. And we'll be doing more of this stuff. We have other gloves signed by Teddy and other guests. And um, just please follow along. If, he, if if Rob's asking for people to leave reviews, please leave reviews on iTunes, comments on YouTube, anything. We appreciate all the support. And, again, shout out to the guys at Athletic Greens. Great sponsor. Again, product I use all the time. Use the promo you code. You got him a half a marathon win, guys. And I'll send you my medal, too, if you want it, with the first order. You should. Uh, <laughs> I will. Let's see this. Now, there he is, the 15th round, the great Salvador Sanchez. Look at him. Look at that. That's why I say what I say. Part of his The 15th round. There's the proof. Wow. Look at him. I mean, it's... it's <laughs> That's the fifteenth round. The guy looks like he was uh, he was in a park, you know, feeding pigeons. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I mean, look, oh man, thank you for putting that up there, guys. Thank you, Rob. But credit to uh, credit to both of those guys. That was a hell of a fight. I was surprised that the um, doctor stopped the fight. I mean, look, the guy's face was a mess. But I was only surprised because in the UFC, you tend to see a lot more cuts like that. It wasn't as bad. Uh, Dana White made the point. Uh, no, somebody made the point. Maybe it was Dana White that it wasn't as bad as the Tyson Fury cut. Not which, even close. Which wasn't stopped. So nope. I was a little surprised in a surprised. sport where people say that you know it's barbaric sometimes, and they hey look, they say my sport's barbaric too, but they say you know you got almost no gloves on and you can use elbows and all that stuff and it can get really really rough obviously these are the toughest guys and uh and then you see them stop a fight before they do in boxing uh you know before they wouldn't boxing or at least recently they they haven't stopped uh they didn't stop that fight with tyson fury and they didn't stop the fight with uh what was the other one too uh, oh, there you go. Yeah, and that's the cuts. And again, they're gruesome and they're bad, but the Tyson Fury ones were worse. But that's what they decided. We're not saying they were wrong. 
Well, well don't forget too, Tyson wrong. Fury was fighting on a top rank card. He was the A side. If you stopped that, it was. I mean, the announcers tried to claim it was a headbutt when it first started. If you know, if you remember, and they went back and looked at the replay, and were like, okay, it was definitely a punch. There was no getting around it. Like, there was no way they were stopping that fight unless his eyeball fell out. No, somebody else would have been cut maybe down here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Those are tough cuts. These, Ken, these are the bad ones. Yep. You know, from here. Somebody might have been cut down there if they stopped the Fury fight. Yeah. Because of the money invested in him. And listen, I get it with the, with, with the doctor's concern, and that's fair. But, I mean, this is fighting. Like, you, people get cut. You know this is going to happen. This shouldn't be a surprise. But, look, if that cut had happened in any other sport, maybe with the exception of hockey... They would be having a vigil for the guy. The most gruesome injury ever in the history of the sport. The only one that I could think of that wouldn't overreact like that would be hockey where I've seen guys take a slap shot. Well, they shot. get stitched up. They get stitched up in the locker room. They're back out there playing. I've seen guys take a slap shot into Tough the guys. face, knock all their teeth out, cuts everywhere. Tough guys. Come back in the next period, stitched in between. Tough, tough breed. And game, then you see... Game bread. And uh, tough read. Yeah, uh, uh, game bread would have been a good hockey player if he wasn't oh, Cuban, yeah, yeah. living in Miami. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you know, he's a good guy. He's Very a, good. He's a. He's also proof that you can be a beast. You can be what you need to be, and what he needs to be in his vocation in that cage in the ring, and yet you can be a class act and a gentleman. Mm-hmm. Everywhere else, yeah, no, good point. And 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 he is, and and most of them are. He, and uh, Dustin Poirier is, you know. That's an interesting point you bring up, Jet Dustin Poirier, because when you were talking about being smart, that's what I think about with Dustin. He's incredibly intellectual. I was talking to him the other day about his plans when he's done with the UFC, and he pointed out to me, he's like, "I didn't even graduate from high school," and I said, "That only matters if you're applying for a job at Goldman Sachs." No one cares about your academic credentials when you're in your 30s and you've had a career as a professional fighter, et cetera, et cetera, for the type of things that you would be able to segue into. But one of the things I wanted to ask you is, and again, you and I, I agree with you, you and I have never spoken about this, but would you ever consider working with a um, UFC fighter if someone like Dustin came to you and said, hey, I want to come and spend like four or five weeks just working on boxing? Is something you've ever considered? Has anyone ever asked you? Yeah, no, I've been asked actually. Uh, I think for the right guy, I think I can I see been, you doing it. I have been asked, but um, you know, right now, you know, I don't. I, I'm just thinking about one fighter that mm-hmm. I came back for, and um, and that's you know, that's Alex, you know, Alex Vozik. So, and we we want to come back, and we don't talk about it because you know. There's nothing to talk about. There's doing to be done. Exactly. Well, it's, it's interesting. And then for, for people who don't know, I happen to know that a lot of um, not just big names, but I would say huge name fighters have called recently and interested in working with you. And I know for, for a fact that that is your only concern. And that was your main reason for turning them down. Because, look, some of these paydays are big paydays. And uh, so credit to you and I, I know Alex knows this but the loyalty of when you're working with a trainer like yourself is uh, unparalleled in any other sport I mean to turn down a huge amount of potentially huge amount of cash to stay with your commitment to one guy is uh, shows a lot of integrity so kudos to you I know you don't want to hear that but uh, you deserve credit for that um one of the things I wanted to circle back to the Kovalev-Canelo fight I forgot to ask you is, where do you think Canelo goes from here? That's a good question. 
Does he pick, and people are going to go, why? Would you say that? Does he pick a cruiserweight? No, really. Does he climb the mountain a little higher, crazy, and pick a weak cruiserweight? I'm not saying he does. I'm not saying he does. I'm not saying he does. Kovalev but, has but an argument for being the I'm king not, of I'm light not, heavy, I'm not and he saying, just got knocked out. Yeah, I'm not saying he does. But I'm just saying, do you remember someone named the tremendous fighter named Roy Jones Jr. went mm-hmm. up and fought someone named John Ruiz for the heavyweight title. From, was a, was, from my hometown, yeah. Somerville. It was a good spot. He thought it was a good spot. He thought he'd taken nothing away from anybody. I, but he, he thought, but we talked the truth. And he he thought it was a good spot. It was a good opportunity. And, you know, he wouldn't have done it if it was Joe Frazier, maybe. <laughs> or, or maybe George Foreman. Mm-hmm. I don't think you need me to tell you that. But he saw a good spot. He thought, and listen, he accomplished something pretty significant. He won the heavyweight title. He jumped up and did it. And, you know, uh, Michael Spinks did it. You know, Michael Mora did it. You know, went up from light heavyweight to heavyweight. I'm not talking about heavyweight. I'm talking about to cruiserweight. Mm. You know, does he does he think about that with his great fans and with all the money that the zone still owes him, you know, to do something else that catches people's imagination? I'm not saying he does, but I'm throwing it out there. But... Uh, as far as anything else, some people still want to see Triple G, the third one, but I don't think he wants to see it. I don't think Canelo's interested. Mm. I think he feels like I done that, did that, you know, been there, yeah. you know, already. Uh, to me, that's one and one. Yeah, to me, it's zero and two. I I I stand by what I say. I'm not gonna flip flop. I'm gonna you know without your integrity, without your reputation, you have nothing. I'm gonna stick by what I said. I thought that Canelo lost the first one, and the, which was a, they made it a draw. And the second one, I thought that Canelo lost that. I thought the jab of uh, just just like some people thought that maybe. Uh, Kovalev was ahead with the jab, mm-hmm. but he didn't. He couldn't keep it up. That Golovkin did keep it up, and he got to the finish line. And that his jab should have had him ahead, mm. you know. Besides other things, but his jab should have had. Him. And listen, I'm taking nothing away from Canelo and his aggression and his improvement in the second fight, his confidence in the second fight Big that he that he eyes. gained. He gained confidence from the first one, knowing yeah. that he could be at that level with this kind of guy. Yeah. That that he belonged, yeah. and that does great stuff for you when you learn that. And so I won't take that. And his body work in that fight, everything. But I still thought that Triple G won it. But anyway. At the end of the day, I don't think Canelo feels he has to go there anymore. You know, and I think that he can, as if you want to call it an excuse, it's not an excuse. He's he's a fighter. He fights. He's fought plenty of tough fights. He's saying what he wants to do. He's the boss right now. You know, he he makes. He's the guy that, uh, as much as the zone uh, tried to diminish that reputation, and they have to a certain extent, he still is the king, and at least in boxing, and and he's supposed to be. You know, and again, even though they hurt him a lot in in that kind of in that kind of way, took a little bit of the glow away from that shine. But uh, he, I think that you know, he feels like, hey, uh, Golovkin might have lost his last fight, you know, uh, against Derenchenko, and uh, he looked diminished. And there might be a lot of reasons why he is getting older, Golovkin. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe you know he does look like maybe he's he's getting a little shop one. He's getting a little long in the tooth. Mm-hmm. But uh, maybe he was sick in that fight. I, I don't know. I mean, he behaved like a champion. I know mm-hmm. that much. He dug and he dug and he dug. And Derenchenko did too. Mm-hmm. And it was a good fight. But he can point to that Canelo being he and say, hey, look, he looks diminished. He's a diminished product. Why do I want to go there anymore? Who wants to see that? Mm-hmm. 
And so, I mean, and there's not really a lot of names out there. There's a few guys out there. I'll tell you, I'll take a different approach. There's a few guys out there that are talented, but that don't mean that you're going to see that fight because they don't have to star value yet. They don't have to star power yet. Mm -hmm. They don't have to marquee value yet, you know, to make sense for that fight, to make that fight mean enough, to make that fight bring enough revenue. Yeah, they got talent. Yeah, maybe I would like to see a few guys i'm not going to say their names but you guys could figure it out there's a few guys out there that are talented i wouldn't mind seeing a fight uh out there with a couple guys with canelo but it does from the business standpoint it doesn't make sense because their star hasn't risen enough so what i would say from my standpoint canelo i would say you guys who those guys are right you guys go out there and take a risk you want me you want the big enchilada, baby? You want the big one? You want a, You want the retirement one? The way that Kovalev got it? He got $12 million and he got a few million dollars for a guaranteed fight after that. Maybe a package of $15 million. Mm -hmm. So he got his pension plan. Yep. So you want that big money? All right. Go out there and take a risk, which nobody wants to do. Mm -hmm. They all want to stay undefeated. That's they right. want Go take a risk with, with another top guy and the winner gets me. Because then you improve your star value. Yeah. Then, then it's then there's there's a worth to what the risk you're taking. There's there's a reason for you to take that risk. You go and you take that risk, and you improve your marquee, improve your your value, your your star, rise it up. Go and do that, and then I'll take you. You win that fight, then I'll take you. Then you get the big one. Mm. You earned it. I'd love to see the guys at super middleweight. Like, you like uh, that approach? Oh, hell yeah. I like uh, the guys at super middleweight now. Um, Callum Smith and uh, Billy Joe Saunders. This, this, this uh, talent pool, I think, at super middle is is deep. And I'd love to see someone emerge from there as kind of like the leader of the pack and then fight Canelo at uh, 168. That would be a hell of a fight. Yeah, I mean... Listen, there's other guys out there too. I, I'll be honest with you. I wasn't... Those guys... Uh, I I wasn't thinking necessarily about them. There's other guys out there that I think even have more, might have more athletic talent. More, you know, some of those guys you mentioned they're they're solid. Uh, you give them credit; they get the most out of themselves. Yeah. They're solid technically, um, and they get the most out of themselves. But um, but I think that there's also other guys out oh, there and too. Benavidez too. I, I, listen, I don't think he wants to go near Benavides. No, not I don't that. Think so. Listen, and I'm not saying he's scared of anyone. No, and right. I'm not saying he wouldn't beat Benavides. But Benavides is raw in some areas, mm -hmm. quite frankly, where where Canelo would have a big edge, mm -hmm. you know. But Benavides is a big, strong guy. Mm. But, you know, he's a big, tough. big, strong guy. You know that that seems to be tough from what we've seen of yeah, so far. True. You know, the toughness is always gauged by the test that's in front of you. That's right. Then you find out to what level that toughness is. But I like Benavides. Uh, yeah, big, strong guy. But again, you know, it wouldn't bring the value for that risk. The value wouldn't be there. I would tell Benavides the same thing. Go and risk yourself against one of these guys and and let the winner, then the winner will reap the reward will reap the benefit of that risk and get me, the golden goose of boxing. <laughs> For sure. Where you can get paid more. Because back in the old days, everyone wanted to fight Tyson, even though he was scaring people to a certain extent. But you got paid. You got paid. Oh, especially the you heavyweight fight division. You want to fight Muhammad Ali, you got paid. Mm -hmm. You know, you got paid. You want to fight Canelo now, you get paid. But Canelo, you know, you got to look at his side of it too. 
If I'm going to go in there and I'm getting older now, he started, everyone says he's still young. He started when he was 16 I, years yeah, old. I know. All right? You got to equate that into the, you know, into it a little bit when you're thinking. You got to figure that into the equation a little bit. So, yeah, everybody wants to fight me, but, you know, I'm getting up there a little bit. Let let it let it make sense. Yeah. Yeah, it feels like, I mean, Canelo is, uh, like you said, he started at 16. It seems like he's fought everybody. You look at his resume, it's unbelievable. I mean, I mean not, nobody, you know, nobody's getting younger except you. <laughs> you know, every time I see you, you're a little younger. Athletic Greens for the win. They're there keeping me young. Again, use the promo code ATLAS for a um, free 20-day supply of the travel packs, which are very handy if and you're you on the And you can look like this guy. You can look like this guy. I don't know. You might have to go to Mexico to get something to get you as big no, as you that. Won't, no, you, you look like a, a trimmer version of this guy. Much trimmer, much trimmer. Um, guys, thanks for all the support. That's a wrap on this one, unless you had anything else to add, Teddy. No, I appreciate it. Um, shout out to Athletic Greens again. Teddy's audio books available on Amazon.com, Audible.com. You can get it for free with a 30-day trial if you sign up for Audible. Um, thanks for all the support. If you like the show, please take one minute to leave a review on iTunes. They help us massively with sponsors, which help us put on this show. I live in L.A., as most of you probably know. Flying back and forth to New York every other week is uh, not cheap. It costs us a lot of money to put the show on with the video guys and everything. So please, if you like the show, leave a one-minute review on iTunes. It really helps. Appreciate everything. Thanks for being with us. Teddy, thanks for doing this. Uh, I think we tore enough people apart for one day. (laughs) And uh, enough truth out there, (laughs) you know, uh, for one day. That's a wrap. That's a wrap.